and they can start the party at Scotland. That's a brilliant goal from Gary Jones. And Henderson, oh, what a goal! Hello and welcome to the RochdaleAFC.com podcast, a very special episode tonight. My name is Dean and I'm joined as always by Chaff, Ryan and Luke. How are we getting on boys? Oh, yeah, thank you mate. Good stuff yeah. and we've also got Brian Barry Murphy, manager of Rochdale AFC. Brian, thanks for giving up your time to chat to us tonight. No problem. And we've also got Owen O'Connell, captain of Rochdale AFC. Thanks Owen for joining us. No worries, thanks very much. So uh, guys, we'll start. Right at the start, I suppose, both of you came to the club from uh, local rivals, Berry. Brian, when you took over as manager, you said something that um, I really found quite interesting. You said when you joined Dale as a player, you noticed straight away that the supporters had maybe an appreciation for your style of play that you hadn't noticed anywhere else. Can you tell me what sort <laughs> of uh, what sort of thing it was that made you realise that or what, what, what were the indicators that maybe the, the Dale fans appreciated your style of play a bit more? Um. I, I wouldn't say my style of play. I'd say, um, you know, um, when I came, I had, I had kind of seen Keith's team from afar because I had played against him previously. Um, and, um, and when I said that, I was, a, I was, I was a bit, I was kind of a bit conscious that it might have come across as just being like sour grapes towards um, the other side. The body against, you know, like when someone moves to a new club or scores a goal against a royal club, they always say, don't they? Oh, it's different or it's, it's a much better club. But it was, it was a genuine. Um, it was just an opinion. At Burley previously, um, before Alan Nil became manager, there was always um, an insistence from the um, from the supporters that like um, we had to get the ball forward really quickly and um, we had to we had to always win the games. If you didn't win the games, they'd say the style was wrong. Um, but when I came to Rochdale, um, I think it was probably because he had been so successful on the key. There seemed to be um, a real patience um, from the supporters, irrespective of how the game was going. And the players were allowed to kind of beat themselves right to the last minute, and that just—it just seemed a bit different to me at the time. But I—I I th- I, I guess it was just purely because um, you had been through such a great spell on the Keith, and you had got um, promotion for the first time in whatever. And but that, yeah, that was the, that was the main reason. Oh, and is that something that you noticed as well when you joined from Berry? It's not something you spoke about before, obviously, but I just thought I'd ask if you you felt that same sort of a different appreciation for a different style of play when you came to Dale. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely heard that shout at Barry a few times, get it forward, which I said there. So, uh, it's probably the worst one for not getting it forward as well. So, but yeah, I'd agree. I think, um, especially like the way Bryce says the style of play is, is a lot more appreciated at, at Rochdale. And I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of suited me a lot better, to be honest. Brian, another thing that sort of has come across from the Dale Berry rivalry with players who've, who've played for both is that I remember Neil Edwards saying that he didn't actually know there was a rivalry until he, he left Dale and signed for Berry. Was it was it ever more of a rivalry on either side at all? Uh, no, no, I knew I knew from I moved from both sides. It was pretty uh, it was pretty <laughs> intense. Um, uh, I, I, you you guys would probably say I'm wrong, but I always got the impression it wasn't like real hatred. It was like just kind of um, it was like kind of. Uh, What's a better word? Um, almost like um, a strong dislike, or like um, a real will to kind of just have one up on them. Um, because there was there was quite a lot. There was a quite um, a lot of crossover between players, and like some of my, my best friends, um, Nicky, Nicky Adams, TK. Um, we had all done. We all ended up doing kind of both sides. So 
Um, between the players, Anya, it was it was semi-friendly. Um, probably different for you guys. I don't know, but um, no, I was always aware of um, of the um, of the rivalry, and I think it's probably one of, probably one of the biggest misses, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially with no Oldham in the same league as us as well, and um, I guess tomorrow is the Slotport game as well, which would have been something of a rivalry. But obviously, we can't be there, which is the, the Oldham games. The Oldham games uh, always felt a bit different to me. They, they always felt um, strangely a little bit more kind of. Um, a little bit more intense, or a little bit, uh, a bit, a bit more bitter. Well, I think. More, yeah. I, don't know why. I think perhaps that's because Oldham maybe historically have been a little bit higher than us. Um, I think we were a little bit in their shadow for a while, so I think that might have been why when they first came down. Um, but Brian, whilst you were playing, uh, obviously it was the last club that you played for as a player. Was moving into coaching and management always always on the agenda for you whilst you were playing for the club? Um, in, into coaching, uh, yes. Into managing, no, no way. Um, just coaching because, um, like, I came kind of at the end of my career to you guys, and then um, Keith gave me kind of a very special role in terms of um, like player coach. But player coach was like um, was really just coaching the young players. In um, you know, there's loads of development sides and stuff now. But as was just an old fashioned reserve team where uh, me, as an older guy, would play with all of the best young players, and I got to like um, we just. Um, developed a team so all the best youth players that Chris Beach had, had brought through were like Andy Cannon um, Jamie Allen Callum Camps um, this most like spectacular group of young players and I just like happened to be lucky enough that Keith, Keith said like um, these guys may not be ready for games straight away so you've got to go and take them for like um, random reserve games at like um, at just Halifax or, or Oldham or all these places and like I was responsible then um, for like uh, for just like Sometimes Chris had come, but it ended up being me on my own, kind of taking these games with them, and it was like it was like it was the best job you could have in the world. How much did you learn from that period, sort of working as one of Hill's assistants, one of his coaches? Obviously, it was must have been strange as well when you ended up sort of moving into his job when he left the club last year. Yeah, uh, kind of. T- I suppose two distinct things: um, working under him in terms of the the, the first team experience on them. Um, on a daily basis, or, or or being involved on a Saturday was pretty intense because you know what he's like. Keith is a is a demanding, vocal type of dominate dominating figure, um, which which was great, and, and I learned loads from him in in, in that sense. Um, but he always left me kind of do my own thing, and he was um, to be fair to him, um, he was quite uh, flexible in terms of um, letting me find my own way. And then, like for, for example, say when I speak about them games, um, he would always just leave me go and be myself there. So like use my own ideas. Um, do things in my own way, like like try try like try Andy Cannon in different positions, or try Callum Camps, or try Jamie Allen in different things. It was very much left to myself. Only every now and again he would say, "I want this or I want that." Um, so, um, as as like as dominant and as um, I suppose he was a big figurehead of our club, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. yeah. So like that was the one you saw. But like within that, he was uh, he he was very flexible towards me and allowed me to um, to to have my own ideas and to kind of um, and to find my own way as well. On top of that, um, how much did he trust you in terms of recruitment? Because I remember when the likes of Stephen Dooley joined the club and Jimmy Keohane, he was quite vocal about how sort of integral to, to those signings that you were. And I think I remember him saying something along the lines of if, if BBM says, go and get somebody, you go and get him. So how, how did, as a coach at the time, how was that to, to deal with Keyville? Um, yeah, yeah. I haven't said I have. I purposely haven't said a whole a whole loads. Like um, when Keith left, he, he obviously became manager of um, of both and pretty uh, pretty in, in kind of in competition with stuff. So I, I always felt as if I didn't want to be kind of um, 
speaking about him all the time or constantly going back to um, you know like saying keep it to this key draft because you have to find your own way don't you and, and the players there now would want to identify with the, with the new way even like this year we lost him we lost counts so the worst thing you, you always reference them and, and you don't want to hide about it but I, I just felt as if I didn't want to constantly be speaking about keep this keep that um, but in terms of recruitment um, I, I couldn't say I couldn't say anything negative about him he gave me um, he gave me a blank canvas to to draw plans for um, every position um, and have profiles of players for um, that we would always um, have in our minds if these players became available and even players who may not be available to keep tracking them for two or three years down the line. You know, you're thinking of the Mendes lines, um, them type of things. Um, and then they come back onto our radar if things don't go well themselves. Um, and I must say, like you, you mentioned duels there, but there was loads of others and, and like some of them were hugely successful and even... Um, some of them were not, you know, and there was uh, there was a few in particular that can uh, can come to my mind. Um, like you, like you remember Sean McGinty, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Like, and I was fully involved in that. Like, so like there was there was loads of them like that didn't work out. Um, but he would never kind of he would never say, "Oh, I shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have that." He understood the way we did things was um, it, it wasn't a high risk strategy, but the players we had to recruit. Um, similar to today, we we couldn't get the best guys in terms of finance. We couldn't get the best guys in terms of where they are now. It would always have been with. Um, with a deficiency in, in some form, like and, and Mendes Lang, his deficiency would have been like social, like his, his reputation was that he was um, he was a playboy, or he had lost his way, or he didn't work hard enough. Um, but because of that, like we get to get him, um, and and then he he just settles down and he becomes a model professional who's like one of the best players in the UK. So uh, so in terms of recruitment, I was given a pretty a pretty blank canvas, and uh, and I would say a license to get things wrong, and then as a result, you end up getting quite a lot of things. Do we still do that, Brian, with regards to kind of setting up the the bounce games and whatnot as far as a club with regards to does that form part of the younger lads' development before they get introduced to the first team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with you. So we we have like um we have more of those games now than we've ever had. Um and it's the it's the exact same continuation of that like um of that model that we used for years. Like but it like it, I I'd say, if I'm being honest, it, it kind of happened more by chance than anything else that we just we just like had this group of players that, like I said, I've, meant, I've named them already, and then we thought, Jesus, like the massive clubs in the Premier League have got like these brilliant under twenty three academies, but they're all playing amongst each other and they're not actually like learning as much as our lads were. I'm not saying from me, but like uh, you'll see the likes of McNulty, um, Aaron Wilbram last year. So like when they start mixing with the likes of Luke Matheson, Fabio Tavares, um, they get like they get like the best um, they get the best insight into what it's going to be like. Um, when you enter into that like jungle of men's football that they could ever have, so um, it's something that's worked brilliantly for us, and uh, and it's something that we use all the time now, really, in terms of um, trying to like trying to push players as young as possible, 15, 16, 17, into those games, um, and I suppose that'll be to the. Sometimes you'll see them almost jump past the youth team. So like Ethan really knows the next one, isn't he? He's like a potential superstar, and like his exposure in the youth team has been probably very little so far, and he's probably gone into alongside the likes of Owen there and, and the guys straight away but sometimes missing out on that youth team experience um, while it, it's not normal it, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing because if they're ready the sooner you can fast track them and, and, and push them into um, situations where they're semi-uncomfortable but but like not feeling out of their depth is is, is the best for their development I So you know Keith trusted you with those balance games and, and with the young players is who looks after those games now, and do you see any of the current first team um, being the, I guess, future BBM and, and stepping into a coaching stroke management position? 
Yeah, I suppose like uh, Jim McNulty is the obvious one, isn't he? Um, like his influence. Well, oh my God, it's better than me there because he's in the dressing room. I'm kind of like being semi um, thrown out of the dressing room now because I'm. They see me as being the the, the one who picks the team. Um, but um, I, I suppose Nulls is the obvious one, wouldn't he, Bonzi? Um, yeah. But I think uh, like in terms of that um, of of that team, uh, like I'm I'm very lucky because. All of those players who came through uh, Mafs and Adjad, the ones who were the latest kind of ones, um, Fabio, um, like Lee Riley, who was with us now, like was 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 like was 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 the integral force behind all of those guys, and he he came into our club. Luckily, at the same time, I was doing my qualification, so I realised very quickly how, how lucky we were to have him in the club. He was with the under twelves, he went through the under 14s, 16s, and then ended up at, with the eighteens under Tony Ellis. Um, and like he had this unique insight insight into all the players, and like there was loads of publicity about Luke and, and Adjad, wasn't there? All them guys, but like what you guys probably wouldn't have seen was the work that went into them, um, and the influence that Lee played on them was like um, was huge, both on and off the pitch. Um, so he had that bond with the guys that made it kind of easy for me then um, to come into him. So he's a huge influence on that. And then Kevin Gibbons would be like the head of our performance, but like his role within that development. Um, He's like he's responsible for taking that team though. So like you're it's not probably a BBM in terms of a player anymore. So like so Kevin Gibbons who they can still relate to in terms of that agent Lee Riley. Um but I suppose in terms of a player, Jimmy Mack, you look up the likes of Paul McShane. But I think it's slightly changed. I think they probably see more they can probably relate to the likes of Owen and, and those players who are much younger, probably more now than what they could have for me. And maybe I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah, Owen, on that, um how has it been for you this season sort of stepping up to be the more experienced player in the back line a few times, because obviously we've got a few young lads on loan from Premier League clubs who don't have a lot of experience in the Football League. Has that been a different sort of experience for you this season? Uh, I don't really think so, to be fair. I think uh, last season I, I would have tried to have been a leader as much as I can anyway, and obviously it's it's, it's a bit different playing with like, like to Hayden, who, we, who I'm playing with at the moment, or like, you know, in difference to, to Nulls or Maka, who I've played with previously, but... Uh, I haven't really kind of tried to let it affect me in, in, in terms of the way I do things because uh, I think I tried to do, be, be a leader and, and be quite you know outspoken on the pitch anyway last season. So, um, yeah, it's a bit different now, I think, in terms of like there's a few things where, you know, Hayden's coming down from like Brighton where obviously, you know, it's like on the 23 football where there's a lot more balls in the box here. It's a, certain things here and there being in a position to defend across or, or instead of being outside like trying to block the cross as a as a, as a centre back but uh, there's only little things like that to be fair that I've noticed any difference in, in, in terms of um, in terms of actually like the whole aspect of, of being a leader and speaking on the pitch it, it's, it's not really changed much for me to be fair How impressed have you been with, with those young loanies playing alongside them so far I mean from us obviously we're watching from afar at home but uh, Hayden Roberts looks like a real, real talent. Have you been impressed? Do you think he's going to go far in the game? Same with with Talaji Bowler and, and Gavin Bazuna. Yeah, I think uh, he, he's been superb. You know, I, I, I missed his first game at Burton. I think he'd only trained the day before and came straight. And I watched it. He was brilliant. And then getting to play alongside him um, in, in, in the last few games is, is really kind of you know. You could see. I think when he came in, he had a bit of bowler, a bit of personality and character. And I think you need that coming up to, to, the, to a club like this at, at age and. Uh, he, he, he's been great and, and same with Talaji and you know uh, he, he's been superb coming in from Arsenal as well I think you know I've been on loan before myself at that age quite young and it's very difficult to kind of 
implement yourself and your style on, on the team straight away. But I think they've, they've fitted in. And, you know, we've had Gav since, since the start of the season. And he, he's been a breath of fresh air, I think, for us all. The way he trains and, and, the, and the, way he, the way he acts around the place. And, 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 and you know, his performances have, have kind of showed that he's been, I think, brilliant for us. And he certainly helped, helped me. I know he's a lot younger than me, but, like, just his enthusiasm for the game and, and, and everything he does, is, it, it rubs off on everyone around. And I think, you know, it's definitely had an effect on me, like, uh, Brian, just bringing it back for a second to the to the when you first took over as uh, as as caretaker, and then obviously getting the job permanently. Um, obviously, at that at that point, Dale pretty much looked doomed for relegation. Um, was it what was it that you did to to change the fortunes around as quickly as you did? Was it a case of just instilling belief in some of the players, or or what were the changes that you looked to make as quickly as you did to to turn to turn that season around? I, I don't know. I did. I did loads of like um, looking back at the end of that season to try and um, have some ideas of what you're just saying, so that I could use them going into the next season. Um, and and the biggest thing I, t- I took from it really was um, was that it just kind of like took away completely the um, the obsession on results. Um, and we had bec- we had become desperate for wins um, and desperate for targets. You know, like um, because we were so we were under so well. We were under so much pressure, and, and I, I had noticed because, like you said, I, I had been kind of in that role, and I was lucky. I was in, the, I was in amongst it all. Loads of the lads who were there were like, were like great friends of mine who remain um, as close to me now today as as, as I was then. Like, um, so like Cosy and Clay was, we were Tickets Thieves, um, even Brad Inman, um, E Banks, uh, Aaron. So all these guys were like, were, were personal friends of mine. So I could see um, the stress that they were under, uh, and it was just the build up. I think like. Uh, we had had that great escape the previous year, hadn't we? Enjoyed T scored and like, um, I think we were all of the opinion that we were going to kick on the following year and 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 and, and make great sides. So when it didn't happen, um, the psychological effects were huge, and I just thought the squad were um, just thought they were like they weren't in a great place because we had been setting targets since Christmas, um, and everything was like the next four games we've got to get these many points, and we never got them. Um, we'd have five game targets. We need fuck it, we need like eight points from these to give ourselves a chance to get another bottom four, and inevitably, um, because our form was poor, we'd end up getting two points, and we'd almost just like we had no belief in what we were doing as a result. Um, I, I just, I just, yeah, I just, I just think we were putting ourselves under too much pressure, and we were obsessing about results. And every game, every game, the lads would be thinking we have to get a win today, um, but we had no, we, we had no, um, we, we had we had no um, sense of, of freedom about it, and it was nothing to do with what. Um, what Keith had been doing, I don't think, but I think about what we had been doing as a staff, because I was very much part of it. But um, I just almost consciously stopped talking about where we were on the table. Um, in the first game, we played a back three, and, and in, and, uh, and in Clay, because he scored in the against Shrewsbury, actually, I don't know if you remember. But, and, and we played really well, but it was a chaotic game at the end. Uh, we watched it last week there, because um, Andy Lonigan has been in helping, has been spending some time with the goalkeepers this week. Um, and like uh, we were laughing, and, and Andy says, "Like uh, we played some great football in that run." And he said, "But I saved." He said, "I saved you." <laughs> <laughs> if you watched that game, Matt, he was like, class. Oh, he, he was unbelievable. Yeah, unreal. Um, and Andy's and Andy was Andy was like uh, was with me at Preston like twenty years ago. We were we were friends back then. Um, but he made save after save. So we just, I think we just, it, it, without being cringy, we were just having a laugh. Um, and if you look at that team, um, and Clay. Um, Ebanks, Jimmy Mack, Wilbraham, um, Campsey, 
we, I can't remember the rest of the lineup that day. Now Donny was playing, um, Hendo. We were just like we, MJ played. We were just ha- we were genuinely trying to have a laugh, and then we became very dangerous opponents. And we just we started like really playing well, um, picked up some momentum. Like you said, within all that, Lonergan was making save after save, so we knew we'd have a great chance in games. Um, and we just became a dangerous team overnight. Really. I was going to ask just on that season. This will be the last negative question, I think. Um, how difficult was it? Because there were a few games I remember at home when we'd be sort of 3-0 down at half-time and it was probably the most toxic I've seen Scotland in terms of a crowd booing and getting on the players' backs. How difficult was that and what happened at half-times in, in, in those games to sort of you know, get together as a group and come back out and, and try and do something? Yeah, I think I think um, like we said there, at the, at the very start of this conversation, I was talking about the patience that I noticed when we first came there. Um, but like, like I would, I'd say I'm not stupid. I'd say that was down to the success that everyone had had. So everybody was feeling very positive about the club, positive about the team. So you're willing to be more forgiving um, as teammates and as supporters. But then when um, the previous season we had been so poor until the very end when we beat Tottenham, we went on that. Or sorry, we, we played against Tottenham. We went on that amazing run to stay up, and then. Um, but overall, before that, our performance had been quite poor. And then the following season, because results have been poor, I think, um, I think, yeah, the, I think the feeling amongst um, all, all of the playing squad was that um, the supporters were getting pissed off with the with, with us as a squad, and we're probably getting pissed off with each other. So no one's no one ends up being happy. Like, and you guys as supporters, uh, you start losing patience because no matter what we say, um, like we never speak about winning anymore. We speak about like playing well and, and performing every day. But like. Um, there comes a, there comes a stage when everyone feels shit when you're losing games, and and, and that was definitely transmitted from the um, from the stands to the players and frustrations with each other. Um, so I noticed in the end, I thought I thought Keith was um, he was trying to take the pressure away from the lads because he understood that um, that the atmosphere you described it as toxic. There, the atmosphere was it wasn't great, um, and like I said, like I said there previously, it probably did that did lend itself into like. Um, a high high pressure situation because the players were desperate to get results. You guys were desperate desperate to see um, wins, but we we forgot about what it took to win games because the pressure became just like um, became pretty high, and, and and as a result, we didn't perform. So moving on to on to last season, um, Owen, that's when you joined the club, of course. How great an experience was it in that first season with the club to go and play at St James's Park at, at Old Trafford and be part of Brian's squad in that season? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I think definitely the most enjoyable period of my career so far. The whole of last season, I think, uh, really like from from the first day I came in, I we, uh, we loved it and uh, loved coming into training every day. And we, we uh, you know, we obviously we got off to a good start, had some really good performances early in the season. So I think that helps, you know, when we start well. And uh, yeah, some of those games were like unreal experience. I'm not really one for kind of getting kind of taken away by, by where um playing in, in, in stadiums and stuff. But um yeah, even like I did I didn't I didn't play at Old Trafford, but just to be there and be like I thought I was gonna hate it. I thought like because obviously I was injured and, and missed the game. I'm not a very good watcher anyway, but when I got there and, and, and watched the lads and like it, I actually ended up jo- I think it's the only game I've ever watched that I've been injured and couldn't play in that I enjoyed. I think just the performance and like and, and, and the way it was on the night was like hugely enjoyable. And then, yeah, the, the Newcastle game, the Newcastle home game was great. I thought the, the stadium was rocking and that. I had all my family over from, from Ireland and uh, it was great. And then, obviously, I volleyed one in to the wrong net, St. James's, so that wasn't great. But uh, 
experience. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't want to bring that up, mate, but you did it for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, how happy were you on a personal note as well to win the Player of the Year award? Well-deserved as well, might I add. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was really nice, I suppose. Um, it was could have, could have been quite a lot of players, really. I think, you know, a lot of the lads had a, had a, had a real impact on, on the team during the season and uh I think I was just lucky. I, I managed to stay fit most of the time and play nearly all the games. So uh, I think when you do that, maybe some of your bad games and a few mistakes get, get looked past. <laughs> you're always there. <laughs> Brian, how happy were you with that first full season? Um, you, you spoke about maybe taking some of the pressure off off results, but in terms of where we finished at the end of the season and the performances, I think me, me and Chaff, we did like a bit of a season review. Uh, as the first episode of this podcast, and I think we we called it a progressive season. Is that something you'd agree with? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say there was, I'd say there was spells during the season where um, where you guys were, were 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 definitely bored because we were. You, you, the perception was that we were uh, heavily possession based side that, that wasn't creating loads of chances, and, and there was definitely spells of the season where I agree with that. Um, but like I was um, us as a group, and and, and no one will tell you like we were. We were trying to go away from that thing of having like um, a weekly um, debate on on how well we played, or and, and everything would, would depend on the result. And if we lost three games, we'd rip up the playbook and say, right, all of a sudden now we're just going to bang it to Albion every week and take our chance from there. Um, and then when we when that doesn't work, we'll go back to playing. Um, and for me, um, like you're asking me what I learned from the end from the end of the season um, that we stayed up. Like the players just reveled in having um, in in devising their own way of playing and. Uh, and and like having a belief in what they were doing, and and then like definitely adjusting that and trying to make it more dynamic, so we um, so we could attack quicker and all those small things. Um, but like yeah, in terms of progressive first season, I thought there was um, I thought there was no end of of, of different um, situations that I found like um, that I found really good. Even even the mo- even the most hardest patches of the season um, were were probably the most uh, valuable to me on a personal level. Like we lost. Um, in particular, we and I keep referencing. We went to Aki away, and uh, was it New Year's Day? You guys yeah, probably it was, remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we had been like, um, we had been on a really poor run of results, um, and our squad was stretched beyond belief. We had, we had like, um, we had um, loads of the kids playing. Um, but the previous week, we went to Gillingham, um, and 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 and, the, and 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 we thought a lot of the talk after the game was we were unlucky. We could see the lead on. Um, we were playing bonesy. Um, you and Sanchez were involved in the goal there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, and, and, we th- and we talked about after the game, loads of talk after the game was that we were unlucky, but we weren't. We, we were hot, we were shocking. And, uh, and, and I just said, like, um, I said to the lads, I said, look, this isn't really us. We went down to Gillingham, we tried to, like, um, play it safe, and we, we, we banged it up to Albi, and we created nothing, and we were just we were just hanging on. Um, and after that, we said we'd go to Arkin and, and we'd have a goal, um, and we played brilliantly there. Uh, I don't know if you were there, but, like, we played brilliantly. Um, and we were full of style, and we took him on, and, uh, and Endo scored a great, uh, Endo scored a great pass. Uh, Quadro played him in, and uh, and Dual scored later on, and it, and it just thought like so like we had been um, in the depth really in terms of results, but like the lads had stuck together, and uh, and we had been really brave. And then like I thought like this is what it's all about for us if we can stick to what we believe in, um, definitely try and um, try and become um, a more potent attacking unit. But like um, I always thought that would that can come and. and that the next challenge is once you lose a hand or a camps, you have to go all over again and try and, and add it in again. But like, as long as you have the strong foundations that is provided by the likes of uh, Bourne, Jimmy Mack, Jimmy Ryan, all those guys, uh, Aaron Morley, then I think you can you can add anything in. But if you haven't got that to start with, 
kind of don't really know where you, where, you, where you begin with. And so I'd say your assessment of a progressive season um, is, is pretty accurate. And it was very satisfying from my point of view, to be honest. Um, and I was very excited to go into this year. But like as, as you guys will be aware, a lot changed over the summer. So you're kind of starting all over again. But, uh, but I, I don't think we are because I still those guys are still there, you know, those, those, those guys are just talking. We obviously lost quite a few players over the summer. You'd mentioned a couple there. Um, when did you sort of realise that that was probably going to happen? When, when did you realise you were going to have to replace the Hendos and the camps of the squad? And was it something you, you could think about for a long time or was it a case of you finding out sort of a week before and then rushing around to try and find a replacement? No, no Hendo, Hendo probably was his own entity because of the contract situation. So... Um, from from very early um, of from the middle of last season, you're always thinking um, this contract hasn't been sorted out. Um, he's going to have loads of takers there. Um, we had fans for him in the new year, and, and I said the same thing to, at, at the cricket club. Actually, it was funny, um, and I said the same thing. So, like f- from that moment onwards, as a as a as a recruitment team, or our recruitment team is about three three people. Like, um, but like, what, but it is very good. It's three of the best guys. Um, <coughs> Like from then on, you're you're, you're looking at um, what this is going to look like. Um, how you place Ian um, and Callum Camps's contract? I always thought was 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 he was he was unlikely to sign. Um, and Camps like is, is one of my favorite guys in the world. So like I was I would I would have kept him above anyone else in the world. But like um, I always thought he, he was probably he, he had in his mind that he was he had to move on and uh, and all the lads kind of kind of were, were behind him on that. Um, but with the other guys, yeah, it, it was it was different. Um, it was during like the um, the lockdown, the pandemic. Um, it was a kind of a there was a sense amongst League One clubs that the clubs, um, a lot of the clubs were going to just treat all the contract players as, um, you're all going to be released. You'll be released into the open market, and then once we get some sort of direction about what's going on, um, and we have an idea of finances, we may re-engage with those players again. Um, something that like we did with Ryan McLaughlin, um, but it would be on like different circumstances or different terms to what you would have done before. Um, so there's probably um, I think it was like uh, it was eight or ten lads we had to move on from, um, but anyway, there was like there was I would definitely say there was Campsy and Hendo who we would have been planning for a long time, and the rest were probably slightly different. You spoke there a little bit about how difficult it was sort of this summer, how different it was in terms of the recruitment. Um, we've seen a couple of, of players come in from non-league as well during that. How can you tell when you watch a player? if they're going to be able to make that step up from non-league and do you need to give them a little bit more time maybe to settle uh, playing at league one level? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The, the um, it was clear to us, um, I suppose from, 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 from the middle of the pandemic, um, it was made clear to us that the, um, that the budget or, 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 the, or the financial outlay that we would have to have to use on a squad this season would be totally different to anything we'd ever experienced before. Um, but from that, um, we had we had planned to bring Alex Newby in no matter what happened. So if they had said to us, um, if the board had said to us, if the board had said to us, um, listen, we've got all this money, we've had in, we've had uh, investment from wherever Qatar or New York, and we'd we'd still would have brought in Newby no matter what because we we had uh, we we had been aware of him um, and just basically like just loved him. But in, in terms of profiling him, his age, his his profile. Everything and he had he had worked really Riley at Morecambe and been released because he was too small. So we had an insight there, um, and then we have our own um, analysis numbers. But we just like you said there, it's impossible to to put that up against League One. So there is kind of a leap of faith there, and you're just you're just kind of like backing your judgment that when the guys from non-league come into League One, 
um, that what you've seen is uh, is, is right and there. But with Newby, we were pretty certain it was. Just off the back of that, obviously one of the two lads that's coming from non-league is Jake Beasley. Um, because of Stephen Humphreys' injury, has he played possibly more than he would have done ordinarily? Or was it always the intention to get him in and get him into the first team? No, we, I, I, we rushed him into the team um, because of the situation with, with Stephen. Um, Jake came in off the back of, uh, of virtually no pre-season at uh, Solihull. Um, but like, uh, uh, yeah, the, the way he, he adapted to the team um, and in terms of his, uh, like, I suppose his commitment to the cause was, was incredible. He was he was way ahead of where we thought physically. Um, but definitely he, he put himself... Um, he put the, he put the team before himself because he, he definitely wasn't um, after the, the amount of work that the rest of the lads were had, but he was willing to play no matter what. And uh, and every time I offered to um, to rest him or to give him um, to bring him off the bench, uh, he, he he declined it. Um, and, and I was only too happy to use that to be honest, because we, um, we've never had a player like you, like you'd have watched all the games last season. Um, and no matter what, like our major um, review focus last season was that a lot of teams. And um, when they played against us, they just they just took it for granted that we were going to play and and, and the stuff you would say then well you we were, we were keeping the ball at the back. A lot of the time we kept the ball at the back because we couldn't get out. Um and we'd have a hendo and a camps or a Doni, but we'd always have to play that with with, with Albi because we could we never had a real focal point or target man. It would always be Albi. We would have Albi, but it would it would be Albi and one other. But with Jake, Jake's a very quick guy, um, who can run and he's a, he's like um he's got an aerial profile. So all of his stuff was perfect for us really. Um but yeah, to answer your question, he was uh, he was definitely exposed to more action than what we would have had what have done previously. Um, but like he's a he's 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 a he's a cracking player. So was that always the intention this season to sort of change the style, look for players that maybe fit a different style of play? Because it has been noticeable, obviously, just in the stats in terms of the amount of possession we've had has been far less this season. Um, I would say in terms of the profile in the squad, I'd say um, we just we were just looking at, a, at a, um, probably um, probably a, a younger profile of player, um, and and with that would probably mean that like um, like I briefly touched on there um, the financial constraints that we had to work with uh, made it really challenging for us in terms of we could have attracted um, players from if we if we were to sign all the players in, in terms of numbers that we had last season we we would have had to sign all the players in the league but as such we went with. Um, a much smaller squad, and said instead of taking um, three, four, five forwards, we'll go for two. Um, and as such, um, like the Humphreys deal, we ended up paying a fee for him. But like the whole package in terms of his wages were so attractive because the overall outlay is much less than what we would have been paying last year to one of our forwards anyway. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that becomes significant. We never paid fees for players, really, did we? Uh, we paid for like uh, Jordan Williams and Barrow, didn't we? Um, and before that, you guys are a lot better than me. And um, I know the boards compared to some previously from them. Yeah, John Shaw and a couple of others. I yeah. Think. yeah, Paul Connor, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. About yeah. fifteen years ago, that I think. Um, yeah. But um, so like, uh, but when we were identifying, um, like those those particular positions in particular, um, that Jake um, and Stephen Humphries became so prioritised was because um, they were of an age that we thought was perfect. Um, and financially, the wages combined with the fees was much less than anything we had done before last year. And so, like, we've acquired two players, like, at, at, at brilliant age brackets that can become, like, future assets for the club. Um, and in a lot of our profiling, still fitted a lot of what we wanted in terms of age. Um, and the numbers on, on analytics were, were quite high. Um, but, like, as I said at the very start, 
there will be certain areas of the, of that profile that won't be like um, a championship standard. So like you, you just mentioned Jake there, for example, say Jake will have um, an unbelievable physical output, um, an unbelievable age profile, an unbelievable um, uh, profile for the position, but like he won't have scored the goals at his previous clubs that would say um, he's a championship player. But like if he had, then we wouldn't be talking about him. He'd be like in the championship and we, and we don't get him, you know. Um, and the same with Stephen, really. Um, like I think... All the Rochdale supporters and myself loved him the last time he was here. But um, at South End, his, um, a lot of his numbers were great, but there was still um, a lot of the top clubs in League One or Championship clubs would look at his um, his goals numbers or his, um, his projected goal scoring and it wouldn't have fitted what they wanted. Uh, and so as such, we get to acquire him uh, and then we have to back ourselves to develop that side of his game so we get the player that um, hopefully in one or two years' time becomes... Um, a serious asset that the club can um, can sell on. So even though this summer, in terms of um, acquiring players, has been like massively challenging, I do think we've got players of an age that can be a that can be developed into serious assets for the club going forward. Owen, what's it like for you guys and you you, you know the players in the dressing room when there's such a big turnover in the squad over a summer and over a few weeks, and you're coming back in and sort of the lads you're going to be around the players you've, you've probably not even met before. Um, what's that like is it nervousness is it excitement to be meeting new lads um, I think it can be more daunting for them really than, than the likes of us who are already here I think you know I've been in kind of both situations where I've just went to a club and, and you're obviously new and as you say the turnover was quite big but we, you know, we still had the kind of the base of the lads that were here you know you like to Ollie Nulls Jimmy Ryan Aaron all the lads that, that were here from last season so um I think it's just up, up to us to kind of you know welcome them lads into the into into the environment and the team to kind of make them feel at home and you know it, it, it's fine for me because to be honest wherever I've went I've always kind of made it made it my mission to kind of get get settled in as quick as I can and then you know I'd be the same if someone else was signing for a club I was at I'd always make sure to kind of you know reach out and and, and make sure that. Uh, that, like you know, they they settled in quickly. Whether you know, as a, obviously the captain this year, but last season I would have done the same. And I think that's a vital path. I think it could be more daunting for them. And obviously, you know, the easier and the quicker new players settle in, the better it is for the rest of us because you know we can we can get on our way. Then you've both alluded to like the team spirit around the camp this year. What do you think the key to that is? Is there anyone in particular who sort of stands out as, as fostering that that team spirit? I think a, a few. Different players have mentioned um, in, in interviews with the official side that, for example, there doesn't seem to be any egos in the squad or anything like that. No, yeah, I think we've kind of always said that that you know we have great crack and we we have a great laugh and stuff, and, and there's some huge characters I think in, in and around the place and you know, some interesting characters as well. But like the likes of Ryan McLaughlin and that and, and Jimmy Ryan and stuff, they're like a kind of a duo always together and and and. and and just keep everyone laughing, really. And then you've got like the likes of Paul McShane, who's he's some of the best company I've ever been around. Ollie Rathbone as well, really. Like just funny people always having a laugh. And then you know, Mac is he's like fix a switch. He's a great laugh. But when you get on the training pitch, like there's there's kind of no messing. So I think we've got a good balance between having a bit of crack and then getting down to work as well. So yeah, I think we've worked it out quite well. Um, how has it been this season? For you and the, and the rest of the squad, in terms of uh, preparing for games, obviously there's been a really short turnaround, hasn't there, between a lot of games, and, and we had a shorter pre-season than we would normally have as well. 
how difficult has it been to sort of adapt to, to those changing circumstances this season? Yeah, it was. Um, it's obviously been different. I think you know recently we've we've had a lot of games as well. But yeah, the pre-season I think it was. Uh, you know, in the lockdown, we had a lot of stuff to do ourselves. So we was out of running on our own and stuff, and it was it can be quite tough. I think doing that, but uh, like the shorter pre-season, it was we it, it was always in the like you know we we kind of accepted our fate that there was going to be shorter, so we we, we planned for it, and then the, the work we did was was kind of great for everyone. Everyone was up to speed quite quick because we'd all done our own stuff, and I know it's not the same. I'm kind of I think if you watch me in a couple of early pre-season games, I'm. I'm probably miles off it because I'm not match fit and stuff but there's a few lads who can just come back in and, and get straight at it so it's different for everyone but um, yeah I've, I've not made much of a difference I think you know you never I'm still kind of working my body out last season was kind of the first time where I've played that amount of games in a row I think um, managed to kind of stay fit and stuff uh, quite a bit of the season so I'm still working out what works best for me but I think uh yeah, I, I, um, the games coming taking fast really suits me. I think, and, and a lot of the lads because you know, if you, if you don't play on a Tuesday, you end up training hard on a Tuesday. I think we'd all rather play than train. So it's it's it's. Uh, I I really I enjoy it anyway. Sometimes you know, I, I said to a few of the lads last week, you, you're kind of in autopilot mode at the moment. You like you play one game, you're on to the next, and then you don't really realize what effect it's having on, on you or your body because you're just kind of focusing on, on on moving on to the next one, and then it's only kind of when it dies down a bit you kind of maybe feel the aches and pains from it, but uh, I think that's an enjoyable feeling for me and uh, I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed it so far anyway. Yeah, just uh, just another question, Owen. How have you found it kind of without having the fans in the stadium? Have you have you kind of got used to it yet and do you feel as though there's any kind of advantage away from home at all? Um, I, I think, you know, it's, 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 it's clear and obvious. Like, uh, it affects a lot of people and... and there'd be no fans there and, and, and stuff like that but I've always been kind of the case wherever I've played or whatever crowd is there that I don't I try not really to let it affect me I'm, I'm, I kind of get so into it during the game that uh, you know I don't look around and, 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 and kind of let it affect me but it's obviously been a different thing for everyone to, to adapt to but I think you know it's going to force we, we you can't take take your time getting into this because you know we need we need to performances on it and get results and stuff like that so I think it was a bit different I've, I've played in like youth team games and under 20s games when I was younger where it was maybe in a stadium with no crowd and you're kind of thinking this isn't really enjoyable but I think you know there's obviously more on the line now and it's different and uh, I don't think I'd kind of get away with giving out about not being used to it anyway because I've got a few people watching me there at home who would be quick to tell me if, uh, if I was looking for excuses like that <laughs> I thought it made a big difference, Luke. Um, I, I just thought for the first time against Sunderland last week, you know, when, when we played them in previous season. Uh, yeah. And we play at home against them. Like, yeah. and, and every time they go anywhere near like the um, the Sandy Lane or, or was it, there's like, no offence to our crowd, this ends up being like a wall of noise and it, it, you feel as if you're you're away from home. Um, and I thought last week when we played them, we came back into the game easily every time we went behind purely because like, we were just allowed to play our own game. I thought that was, I just thought, I, at the end of the game, I thought, God, I'm glad they weren't here tonight. Yeah. What about the away games? Is it, is it, do you think it's been more of an advantage for you playing the away games without sort of the home crowd? I mean, I, I guess the teams we've played away haven't really been, perhaps other than Ipswich, haven't really been the, the sorts that have big crowds, but do you feel like you're at less of a disadvantage in away games at the moment? 
I, I think possibly um, mainly due to the the um, like a lot of we've been going away. We went to Shrewsbury last week, and because we got in front, like we created a great atmosphere amongst ourselves. Um, and I, was, I mentioned to our lads, if you saw the Champions League semi-finals there, PSG, whenever they were getting near the end of the games and they were winning, um, the, the subs and, and the staff like were just like one kind of band of supporting units. And we played Shrewsbury last week, and we, we uh, sorry, it was Fusco. And we, we weren't uh, particularly great in the second half, but like towards the end of the game, like we just had like we had a wall of noise from the side, and just kind of like it was good crack. Like we were just like getting each other over the line, and it was uh, it was real. That was like I thought that felt like real team spirit. Um, like even like something last week, normally that would be like an away game for us at home, wouldn't it? Where they'd have like huge following, and we wouldn't. Um, I think it's it's a good chance for us to like um, to like create our own um, our own support kind of amongst all of the um, squad, and it's it's been quite useful. Now. I guess the flip of that was Aki away, where yeah, but our first defeat for a while. Would it have been nice to have the sort of thousand of us behind the goal there? That's for yeah, that's for I noticed it. To be fair, yeah, but last year I think uh, that was probably the only ground I think I've noticed this season. Really big time that you know I played there a couple of times. I played there at Bury when I was on a Tuesday night. I just remember thinking the atmosphere was great and mm. the same when we played there last year. It was one of the favorite my favorite games we played and we won there last year on New Year's Day. It was, mm. It was uh, really enjoyable, the, the crow behind the goal. And even when you win, like after we got the result, you're walking into the dress rooms and all our crowd is in, in behind the goal there and, and to the left. So it's uh, it can have a big effect on you. Yeah, I, I think I noticed it there this year more than more than anything, um, now that you mention it. But um, it's it's uh, it, 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 it probably worked in our favour this year. That's a good one. I think that's I think uh, you're bang on. There's something about that stadium where all yeah, I love I love playing there. No matter how many we bring there, it's it's always like there's no social distancing there. You're just like fucking crammed in. Yeah. Even that even that when we were we were at the bottom of the table that when we were on that run, um Ollie scored the winner there, didn't he? And like oh, if you look yeah. back at that game, we yeah, we didn't play particularly well that night. We just hung in there um because we had a huge following there. I don't know what the numbers were, Tuesday night. Um and we were shit in the first half. Um we Ethan Hamilton came on at half time and, and we just we just we just hung in there and and Cosy crossed the ball and Al, Albie just took one down and Ollie banged it in and it was like I don't know it, it, it felt like being away in Europe somewhere on, on a Tuesday night and we were just like against all the odds and like only said there um, the celebrations that night on the pitch at that end were like uh, we I, I thought that night I, I said I didn't say it to the players I just I just said the boring thing I said next game next day but like I thought we're, we're staying up there like because we got we got too much about us. And we, we were saying last week on the podcast about um, the Sunderland game, especially in the first half, we would have loved to have been there because it was really enjoyable watching it on the eye follow, you know, but you, you just get a lot more about it when, you, when you're in the ground, um, especially on the Tuesday night game as well. Um, that, I think that would have been a great game for us all to have been in. Uh, but it's just interesting really around the advantages and the disadvantages of having a crowd in or, or not. Um, so it's just good to wear it from you guys, really. You were, were kind of part of it. Just looking forward to like the rest of the season, Brian. Um, you mentioned uh, Ethan Briley before. I'm just wondering how much faith you have in the likes of, of Ethan Briley and Joel Dunn to step up and do a job this season if needs be. Because, as you said, we've got quite a quite a small squad uh, and the games are coming thick and fast. Do you believe that they're good enough to step up and make a difference already or is it maybe a bit too soon for them? Uh, not too soon for Briley. No way. Um, yeah, it, Joe's um, Joe Dunn is is, is working hard. Um, always with those players in in the first year, it's hard to know like when they're going to be ready because it's it's quite a big step up. Um, 
and, and, and we use a lot like um, sometimes you won't understand but like we, sometimes we'd send those players out on loan just to get games because they end up um, playing you can end up playing reserves but you don't get loads of games so like a lot of the time Lewis Bradley um, Hopper or Joe Dawn they may go on loan at some stage if they're not getting a lot of action um, and then there's obviously like the likes of Luke Mastin who will always stay in because they're going to be involved um, and rarely, rarely would be very much in, in, in that latter bracket and Owen, what's it like for you um, playing in a team that plays sort of likes to keep holding the ball? And I, I think I, I put I put in my notes here that it must be nice when you're playing the ball out from the back to have players in midfield like Jimmy Ryan and Ollie Rathbone who, who are so comfortable in, in receiving the ball facing their own goal. Is that easier than, than playing with some of the midfielders that maybe you were played with in the past? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, and, and, and just the way the team's set, set up as well. No, Bray gives us the platform to play, and 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 the lads uh, in the middle are obviously hugely comfortable accepting the ball and stuff. But yeah, I've played in teams before where it can, you know it can be difficult, and then oh, I'm still trying to pass it, and it might not be a pass on. You end up trying something, and then you know you can can get made a fool of. But a lot of time when I get the ball, now, there's there's quite a lot of passes available, so it's 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 you know people slag me and say centre half, you know, have easy job, and, and they're probably right to be fair. We, we've got the caliber of player that we've had even. Last season as well, and now this season coming in, you've know, got the likes of Noobs there and, and Lundy and stuff. You can you can literally pass the ball to anybody they want, you know, and they'll accept it for you and 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 uh, make 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 you look good by the pass. But it's actually them they actually have to control it as well. So it's, it's like you say, it's, it's it's great for us. And Chaffee, you had a question about another one of our midfielders, didn't you? Yeah, we've well, just uh, you've just mentioned him there, Owen, um, Matt Lund, uh, Brian. How have you turned Matt Lund into Ian Anderson? <laughs> yeah, I haven't done nothing. <laughs> yeah. He always scored goals with him, not as many he? as he has done so far this season. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's on the goal trail, isn't he? Um, <laughs> on the pens now, is it? Yeah, with the penalties, <laughs> we had agreed that that was going to be on a rotational basis. Um, because Aaron, when Aaron, Aaron missed against two. Oh yeah, in the in the in the FPL Trophy. Yeah. Um, but now that Lunds was so good, he's he's trying to bribe his way into keeping them. Um, I I don't know. He's I think he's just um, he's always been pretty dangerous and like um, we're just we like uh, well joking aside. I think um, when you lose the likes of Hendo and Camps, you're ne- like I just said to you previously, we're never going to be able to go and sign like a striker that that can go and do that. So like very conscious of like um, of 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 being more potent um, in terms of numbers and getting more players forward than we did last season, um, and not relying on Ian and then trying to create um, attacking moves that can get balls into the box and. And commit and commit as many players forward as is possible, um, without giving on a heart attack at the back. Um, <laughs> but like you, I think um, this season our lads um, have committed to like to to getting forward as much as possible, um, and then like um, hopefully seeing goals from Lund, Ali, um, Ali who else? Lund, Ali, what's my feelings? Aaron, huh? Aaron. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I yeah. We're trying to. I, yeah. That's probably my fault. Trying to get Aaron forward more to score goals. <laughs> I've got my one for the season already so yeah, should be scoring more goals <laughs> Shane McNulty Aidan Roberts should be scoring goals I just wanted to ask sort of to end like, what are your long term ambitions at the club and then on a, on a personal level as well uh, yeah I think you know when I signed I think um, I spoke to Bray before I signed and uh, as soon as I spoke to him you know, I wanted to come straight away and you know, it's 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 kind of clear. I think you know, I, 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 
he, he probably says I'm a bit mad sometimes because I think we can we can beat anyone and stuff like that. And and, and some of the lads would probably laugh at me and stuff. But it's it, I, I'm I'm quite the uh, the optimist in terms of 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 where we can go and and, and stuff like that. But um, probably too optimistic at times. But uh, it's um, I, I think I can't really see. You know, we we go into games and. Like I say, I, I feel like we can we can impose our style and, and, and you know put in the performance to be most teams. I think we've shown that you know in terms of last season and even the Sunderland game, you know, a kind of big powerful team in this league by, by going kind of toe to toe with them, and it's uh, it's something that you know I, I really relish those big games and, and, and stuff like that. But uh, in, in terms of long term, I think you know, like Bryce said, we're, we're progressing all the time. Last season was a progressive season, right? I think the same again, and I think you know, uh, as long as we can keep that going, the world's our oyster. Like, Brian, what about yourself? Where do you see your long-term ambitions lying? Oh, not not for long term for me. I can't do long-term plans. Um, <laughs> Useless at it. Um, I had, when I when I got the, uh, the gig on the caretaker, I, I couldn't think past um, the following day. Um, so, um, in in terms of the squad, I always have. Um, I always have, uh, and know what next season looked like, and even on the line. Hence the reason that like. Um, I think we've got quite, a, quite. I think we've got some brilliant players on the contract this season and next year. You know, um, hopefully O'Connell will come on board there as well. Um, <laughs> um, but like, no, I, I think just. Um, I think just uh, generally, I think um, the. Cha- I don't know if you guys like. I referenced there um, in, in a lot of the stuff in in um, in the close season. Um, like there've been constant feedback to our players and to our squad about like where we were heading for this year. Um, I don't. I don't think it was from our fans. I think um, what you guys probably don't see is like um, every agent in the game or every um, every player's advisor was was saying like, uh, "I'll be careful about going to Rochdale. Um, they've they've slashed their budget. They're not investing any money. Um, they're preparing for League Two. Like and and then uh, like uh, like when when I was I was kind of like saying, well, if we are, it's news to me. Um, so like the challenge for us then, uh, like I said to the lads when we went back in preseason, I said like. Um, no matter what you're being told, I said, um, until until we hear differently, I said, I said it's, it's nonsense. And like the players that we're going to add to the squad are going to be exactly the players that we wanted. Um, and and like then so we could have added like ten players, but I said that's the wrong way for us. We will just add the four, five, or six that we that we always wanted. Like and um, and like there was times during the summer where uh, where I was definitely like prompting the board saying we want this many players, we want that many players, but like. If I like, I could tell you like uh, a million percent. No, the ones that we wanted um, were the ones that we got. Um, there was no other left back. Um, there was like two outstanding left backs that we wanted, and Talaji Bola was, was definitely one of them. Um, there was um, there was Yabo Amanqua or Hayden Roberts. Uh, Yabo got injured. We got Hayden from Brighton, who's a, who's a high class player. Um, Stephen Humphreys, I thought, would have takers elsewhere. Um, and, I, and I thought we'd never get Jake Beasley, um, and, so, and so like because because of the um, I suppose because of the amount of players we got financially, it became possible for us um, to do that, even though it seemed unlikely. So like it was down to the work that, that the lads did in, in identifying the players that we could attract on wages, and then uh, and, and thinking outside the box really. So um, so yeah, just just for me, it's just about like um, the challenge of I suppose proving people wrong, um, because we've always had that thrown at us, haven't we? We've always had like oh, we've got no right to be in League One. Um, and definitely everyone that I saw in football was saying, no, oh, our Rochdale are fucked. Um, they've lost Henderson, they've lost Camps, they won't score a goal. Um, and, and there was like, all, everyone I saw in the first month said, God, you got some start to the season. 
uh, and it's always agents or it's always somebody from another club. Um, you won't win. You definitely won't win one of your first five games. Uh, no, you definitely won't have a point after five games. You'll definitely get smashed at Huddersfield. You'll definitely have no wins after ten games. Um, so, like all those things, like they're they're good. It's good crack, like to try and like to just like tick them off and, and prove people wrong. Um, and, and then, like just for me, it's just about like not getting like um, not getting distracted. Like we 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 sat in the dressing room on Tuesday night um, against Oxford, like and, and we played well and we knew we did. Um, and the only thing that was wrong with us was that like the lads were like have, have, are desperately competitive and and have got ambitions to uh, to punch way above their weight and uh, and while like you can say to the press all the party lines about like um or um or we, we have to remember where we are we know we haven't got the finance of any other club in League One but like within the dressing room the lads don't they don't want to buy that they want to be ambitious and they want to say well like uh, if we can use language they want to say like fuck you. Um, and, and and you, I would never want to take that away from you. And I, I don't even think it's a bad thing for you guys to be like pissed off at Tuesday night and thinking like, uh, oh, we've been on this great run. No, we got beat. Like because if we just want to accept like, like just uh, just like not being um, ambitious, then we'll just be like conforming to what all the predictions were anyway. So I don't see the point of it. I think every fan will be absolutely delighted to hear that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I could yeah. just see Ryan smiling his head off there, to be honest. So, um, Luke, do you want to end with those uh, teammate questions for me, mate? Yeah, who are we playing it? Is it are we current team for Owen and um, playing days for Brian? Yeah, uh, well, from, from, I guess, not just playing days, but whole time with the club, I guess. Whole time, yeah, okay. Uh, these are a bit quick fire, gents. So, um, first one is who's the best dressed in the dressing room? <laughs> uh, um, I'd probably say Donny or Aaron Morley at the moment. To be fair, Donny likes to have a go every day. I think he looks well. Aaron Morley's kind of more like young lads at all, like designer gear, and that's not really for me, but I'll have to give him a shout as well because he probably likes that stuff. Right? Mine can be funny, but he can't. Like yeah. him, yeah. So like all like all the guys who've left there is important to me, so I'll stay Aaron Wilbraham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you would have been in the running there, Brian. Oh, Wilbraham. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst dressed. Jesus. Uh, uh has to be Alex Newby, I think. <laughs> he came into training this morning, came into the building in shorts and flip flops in November. <laughs> we went out to train and he had gloves and tights on. <laughs> Changes. I'll go. Uh, I'll go. Sanchez, one of my favourites. Oh. <laughs> Jesus, you guys must have. You might. You guys must have had an insight into what he was like. <laughs> Not really. Oh. Character. <laughs> Robert. Robert. Robert truly believes he is like, and this is a, Robert. He believes, as you saw last week, he is like he is the top goalkeeper around, and he, he, he may. He may well be. Does, does it board well when you see players like Sanchez go make the debut in the Premier League? Does that board well for the future, recruitment-wise? Does it give us a bit of an edge at all? Huge, yeah, it's huge. Um, everything that we said, um, all the clubs that we've uh, we've started speaking to are like constantly been in touch with. Um, we said at the start of last year that like Reece Davis would play every game, and, and we would develop them into um, into a huge asset for them. Sanchez the same, and some of them didn't work out. Like the likes of Raheel Pike didn't work out, did it? But like the clubs then see what's happening, and uh, and probably the most significant thing of the summer is um, when you get the financials thing, the the, Ros- the Rochdale board say this is what we're going to have for the season. You go oh fuck, oh shit, you go. But like 
But then you get the clubs who are saying, well, you had these players from last season um, and now we're willing to say, hey, you can have this players and, and, and they send you the, the options and they say, um, financially, the cost this year because of the, um, the situation has been virtually nothing. So it gives you the chance to put something together. Um, and, and I think it's, it's going to be very important for us going forward as a club that we can, uh, that we can build those, um, I suppose, relationships. Cool. Um, best answer? Um, Alvin. We, we didn't really have many nights out last year, I think, but Alvin. I can remember. Uh, um, I'll probably say, like, yeah, I, I think Ollie, to be fair, is a like, terrible dancer, but he probably puts the most effort into it, so we'll give it to him. <laughs> Quadro Bass. Bass got rhythm, yeah, he can move. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever Bass goes his first goal for the club, you, you've been warned, just watch out for the second. <laughs> Best ever. Um, best trainer? Um, I'd probably give that one to Ollie again, I'd say, or Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack, I think, like we were even doing the warm-up today and he's in front of me and he, he's full-on going for it in the warm-up. Like, I'm thinking if I did that, I'd, I'd probably pull my hamstring or something. But he's, uh, yeah, I think he, I think either the two of them there, from what I've seen, they're, they're probably the best trainers, I'd say. There's only for me. Yeah, he's up there as well. Actually, I forgot about him. He's a keeper, though. That's easy. He's false. Yeah, I can <laughs> kick it. Like I'll say, I'll say Bazoon, and I will say Jay Lynch because I can't say one of them. <laughs> and uh, most intelligent, uh, Jimmy Mack again. I think he bamboozles people sometimes with his level of intelligent conversation. So it's, I'd say him. Least intelligent. Least intelligent. Um, geez, we had a few of them last year. Pike, Norrington, Davis. Oh, <laughs> Jesus! Um, I just blame the one for here anymore. In terms of this season, least intelligent. Uh, newbie, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Who's got the best nickname in the team? Already have probably Aaron Morley, I'd say, is it? Learner. <laughs> um, I'd say Aaron Morley, yeah, a few of the lads like to call him Dripper because he, he, he loves his gear and all that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Morley's well dressed, actually. I, I, I gave him the show, don't worry. Um, boss Dane. Uh, I think probably Newbie again. I've seen him like hairspray in his hair and all that. Well, a lot of lads do that and stuff, but Robert Sanchez, yeah, tan and sunbeds and tan and six pack and all that carry on. So I'll probably say newbie for that one. Um, biggest joker in the uh, dressing room, um, Ray McLaughlin. I think he's very good at like uh, Ollie's quite good at it. Well. Actually, the gifts and stuff there, putting people's faces on other people and sending them in the chat. Uh, and I think Jimmy Ryan, yeah, like sending videos into the into the chat are just like stupid stuff. But I'd say I'd say probably Ryan or Ali for that one. Henderson, I was so good. You know? Yeah, yeah, he and Hendo is one of the funniest people I've ever met. I think, um, like, just used to just laugh at stuff he said when he wasn't even trying to be funny as well. It's just the way he was. <laughs> Some unbelievable crack on a night out as well. And Donny as well. To be fair, Donny them two are lethal. Yeah, on a night out, Christmas doing that, we had. A, Last night out, I think we had before the lockdown after the Rotterdam game. The one he was electric, so yeah, I'll have to try him in there as well. All the heads. Uh, biggest mourner. 
<laughs> the captain. Uh, only when the, re- the refereeing and training is a bit dodgy. I'm already on the pitch anymore. Jimmy, oh Jimmy Ryan as well. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy Ryan can be the bane of my life sometimes. So I'll say him, Jimmy Ryan. It's that. Um, yeah, and this last but not least, it's the big one. Uh, who's the longest in the shower? Um, I'm not in there anymore. anymore. <laughs> uh, Lewis Bradley, without doubt, longest in the shower. Inside information. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I think we'll wrap up there and uh, uh, let you get prepared for the Stockport game tomorrow. Um, a huge thanks for, from from all of us for, for coming on. It, it means a lot to us, and hopefully everyone will have enjoyed listening. So, Owen, thanks very much, mate. All right, well, thanks very much. And uh, Brian. Thanks for me. Oh, perfect. Brian, cheers. Thank you. Thanks, boys. Thank you. Cheers, lads. Yeah, all the best tomorrow. Thank you. Yes, thanks very much. And um, so thanks, Luke, as well, for joining me. Cheers, Dean. Cheers, Chaff. Thank you very much, mate. And thanks, as always, Ryan. Yeah, nice one. Love that. Uh, a big thanks as well to, to Greg and Leanne from the club and for Paul for, for helping us set this up tonight. Um, absolutely loved it. And, and a big thanks to, to both Brian and Owen for joining us. And that's it for this episode. We'll see you next time on the day. Beer was allowed. Off you. <laughs> <laughs>